Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The fastest three hours in radio. You're with Brian Kilmeade. The vaccines uh, for the audience are incredibly effective at protecting people against severe disease. If you are vaccinated, you don't need to be protected against severe disease. The vaccines already do that. The, the message that we have to protect the vaccinated is essentially a message that is going to undermine confidence in the vaccine unnecessarily and is, is a dangerous message, I think, and that, that the vice president should retract. The exact message the vice president tweeted out, we have to protect the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. How does that make any sense? Dr. Martin McCary must be pulling his hair out with this. He's a surgeon and professor of health policy at Johns Hopkins. He's the author of the book, The Price We Pay, What Broke American Healthcare. Dr. McCary, it's been a very uh, it's been a, a very aggravating week coming from this White House as it relates to uh, our health. They're deciding that everyone better get the shot or you got to either now they're going into our business, our occupation. And I, I think, you know, this a lot of nurses are deciding to quit. A lot of healthcare workers are deciding to quit. A lot of people are saying, I'm not going to be forced to be vaccinated. I quit my job because of this upcoming mandate that the president decreed. Is this going to help? Well, I've been following the numbers, Brian, and one of the goals of the vaccine mandate by the White House, recognizing it may not withstand legal challenges, was that the buzz that you may need the vaccine in order to keep your job was going to get people to get out there and get the jab. Looking at the numbers, in the days since the announcement, which uh, was five days ago, vaccinations are way down. They're not, they're not even level from where they were. They're down. So it really has polarized people. And I think people with positions against just the government, separate from the vaccine's effectiveness, are more entrenched right now. So it's backfiring. You think we should get vaccinated, right? Absolutely. For non-immune adults, if you haven't had natural immunity, those are the folks right now dying at a very high rate, a thousand people a day. And that's where we got to put all of our efforts. Everything else is a gigantic distraction. You know, the unvaccinated somehow are posing a public health threat to the vaccinated or a cloth mask on a three-year-old child. These are distractions from our, our main focus. So now we have a que- the, uh, the question of, for, before I leave the mandate question, I would just want you to hear uh, Joe Biden the other night, cut 29. I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. We're going to protect vaccinated workers from unvaccinated co-workers. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. Okay, this was him earlier, along with Saki, Pelosi, Fauci, cut 30. I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand it to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power 
just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. Can we mandate vaccines across the country? No, that's not a role that the federal government, I think, even has the power to make. We cannot require someone to be vaccinated. That's just not what we can do. It is a matter of privacy to know who is or who isn't. No, definitely not. You don't want to mandate and try and force anyone to take a vaccine. We'd... So we're at 75% of the country eligible has gotten at least one shot. Uh, and they're saying desperate times, desperate measures. They've totally flipped. What happened? <laughs> First of all, Brian, that's an amazing clip of a litany of yeah. all of these figures talking about how we would just never do this mandate. And here we do it basically on the one yard line because we're never going to we're never going to get to 100 percent. Even the required vaccines in children reach a 90 percent compliance rate. Otherwise, people just don't do it or they have medical exemptions. So if we're at 76 percent now and our goal is to be in the 80s and roughly half of the unvaccinated have natural immunity, they're, do, they're using a very heavy hammer for a couple percentage points. And Joe Biden said in his speech announcing the mandate that the unvaccinated were preventing us from turning the corner. Well, how's he going to feel about the mandate in a month and a half or two months when we're at very low levels of COVID, which is what Delta is showing in India? It's kind of a boom and bust. So when we're at very low levels and this mandate finally gets through its writing process, and the legal challenges, and then add a few weeks for people to come and get it, and then the immune system to kick in, doesn't happen instantly, we're going to be at very low levels. How's he going to feel about the mandate then? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so we'll, we'll see where, where this goes. Bottom line is there are breakthrough cases on the vaccine, and now we're looking at booster shots to boost the vaccine, and what's driving you crazy and what you wrote about is why are we looking to Israel for an example? Why aren't we doing our own studies? We've been at this for a year and a half. We've got the American people to study. Is anyone doing that? Can Anthony Fauci hop off television for a second and look at a pie chart? I don't think his secretary would even recognize him now. I don't know if he's ever been in the office in the last year and a half. <laughs> Because if you look at what we've been doing as a medical establishment, the NIH and CDC together have about 41,000 employees, and they have about uh, $57 billion in funding. What are they using that money for? Well, they spent twice as much money on aging research. They're spending money on studying Mexican hairless dogs. Meanwhile, we have no idea how COVID spread for the first year. And if you look at all the good research right now, as you said, it's coming out of Israel. The only randomized cluster trial on masks came out of Bangladesh. Why are we getting all of our learnings from Israel and Bangladesh and not the United States? We're the United States of America. This is a disgrace. And if there was ever a message to Congress, the message right now is that our CDC has failed in its primary task, and it needs to be completely overhauled. Absolutely. So I want to turn to the next big struggle, and that is five-year-olds. Now five-year-olds are going to have an option, we understand, unless you want to disabuse me of this, in a few weeks of getting five and up, of getting this vaccine. Should they? Would you as a parent recommend it? And have we worked on the dosage enough to understand fully how it's going to affect kids? Well, I will tell you this, that the companies saw, at least Pfizer, saw these complications after the second dose in teenagers uh, sprout up around the country. And they went back and basically said, and I'm going to paraphrase, 
oh my God, we got the dosing a little too high. That's what I believe they, how they reacted. Let's go back and revise the dosing in the kids under 12. So they came in with a much lower dose than they previously intended. And we'll see what the data shows. It's not even out yet. It's amazing how many people have a strong opinion when the data have not even been released. I mean, basically the Biden administration has said, kids will need this and we're probably gonna require it. The they haven't even seen the data, it hasn't even been published. I think in teenagers right now, if they've not had COVID in the past and you want to vaccinate a teen, I would only do one dose. And if in a month they have a big press conference and they say, we're now going to make five-year-olds eligible, what would you tell a parent that made an appointment to see you or a friend of yours at a barbecue that said, should I do this? Well, I would tell them that a month from now, probably... 50 to 75% of all kids in America will have had it. I think the risk of COVID, they should know, in a child who's uh, not healthy with a pre-existing condition might be one in a quarter million. In a healthy child, it might be one in 10 million, or it may never have happened. We don't even know if a healthy kid has ever died. They need to know those statistics. And I think most importantly, Brian, to answer your question, they should know that this trial that is being used to justify the vaccine in kids five through 12 included about 2000 children. So they, they should know we're going to learn what we, what we learned from 2000 kids. It's not a big trial. It's not big enough. Not big enough. One in they say, and you tell me if these numbers are not correct, one in four new COVID cases are kids cases. Is that different from the original virus COVID-19 virus is the Delta have different stats and results uh, a different effect on kids than the original COVID-19. It's not more dangerous. We are seeing it just rip through the schools. And the schools sometimes are doing everything humanly possible. I mean, they're practically putting the kids in their own astronaut suit and keeping them, you know, 10 miles from the other kids. And it's still ripping through the schools. I'm not sure it's avoidable for a kid. Um, and you can still take mitigation steps, but um, 25 million out of the 52 million school-aged children probably have had COVID. Remember, we have only diagnosed about 10 to 15 percent of kids with COVID, but we're only capturing one in five to one in 10 true cases because most kids are asymptomatic. All right. Uh, so we'll see where this stands. You believe Delta's waning because last week Dr. Scott Gottlieb said that Delta has not really hit the Northeast yet. Yeah, the Northeast could be in for a bump. Now, it's not going to be as bad as we've seen in the Southeast because there's higher vaccination rates in the Northeast, but it's also their flu season coming up. So um, I think we should not be alarmed if we do see an increase in cases in the Northeast, but I don't think they're going to be so-called spikes or surges. I think it's going to be a rolling increase like we see with a mild flu season. The South is on its way down, and if we want to know what's going to happen with Delta, just look at the first couple states that were affected with the Delta wave because Delta is the same everywhere. It's just staggered. So what we've seen is Missouri and Arkansas, the first states, are down 20 to 30 percent from their peaks. And if we look at India, it could be a real boom and bust where it just burns through the population so fast, the decline could be very rapid. So we keep hearing about hospitals being overcrowded. The story in Nebraska ended up being wrong. Uh, we heard Idaho now, hospitals. What is the situation with hospitals that you know of? Do you see a great many of them, people reaching out to you, even anecdotally saying we're having a huge problem here? People forget that hospitals are normally crowded. 
Hospitals normally have very little space. I mean, they they operate in a business model with just-in-time capacity and have for 20 years. So you, if you have three people walk into a normal everyday hospital or ICU in America, that could strain the hospital. So what hospitals are doing in areas where there's a lot of COVID patients, and that is true, especially in rural areas in the Southeast where they're getting hammered by COVID right now, is that they're stopping some of the elective surgery and some of the uh, stuff that's uh, that can wait a little bit. And I think they're going to end up needing to wait a month or two until it gets to a better place. Um, on booster shots, where do you stand, Dr. McCarry? Would you Are you getting one? Definitely not. 100% not. And now my situation is a little different. I took the second dose of my Pfizer vaccine three months after the first dose, which is how we should have told everyone in America to have taken it. And I still tell people, wait three months for your second dose unless you had COVID in the past, because you need to space out the doses. That's how you get durable immunity. And the virology geniuses are now acknowledging that when you put the first two doses three and four weeks apart, it functions as one dose. So it's no surprise that the new data out of Israel is showing that for people over 60, that they do have an, a slight benefit to getting that booster because it's it functions really as a second dose. So in people over 60, I think it's reasonable to start thinking about it. But you're talking about a minimal benefit. You're already very well protected against COVID with the uh, two-dose regimen that you already have in your system. Dr. McCary, I guess, a couple more questions. Dr. McCary, why is Regeneron not in every hospital? Why is it not in every doctor's office? So don't people want to make money? Isn't it true that it's effective? Isn't it true that every time you have a VIP, they get this, they get Regeneron like the President of the United States? It's about a 15% real direct survival benefit. So we do see death rates go down with Regeneron. So why not give it routinely? And so we are seeing it adopted more broadly, but the FDA made it very difficult to give Regeneron initially. It's an inf- it's not a pill, you know, it's an infusion. You sit down, they want you to be observed for like an hour after you have it. It's, you know, it's like overly excessive. What, what are we doing creating all these burdens and rules and regulations? People forget that there's a half dose in the vaccine vial uh, after you uh, use the four doses that it comes with. Doctors wanted to pull those two half doses into a additional dose to increase our nation's vaccine supply by 15%. And the FDA said, no, that, that this is the kind of regulatory nonsense that makes the practice of medicine very difficult. And the FDA should be held accountable. Absolutely. And lastly, um, I want you to hear this exchange on an um, NSM, um, MSNBC, Cut 28. I'm hearing anecdotally through people I know about breakthrough cases that are really serious that uh, end up with people being on ventilators. These are people who are vaccinated but still got COVID. What is the potential that this spirals beyond Delta to monster variant? Well, there's always a risk of, as you get more circulation of virus in the community, that you'll get enough accumulation of new mutations to get a variant intentionally different than the ones we're seeing now. Delta has the capability, uh, unlike Alpha, of transmitting extraordinarily readily and efficiently from person to person. That is the reason why we've seen that surge that we've been through over the last few months. Your answer? It's just, a, it's just amazing to hear these questions that he gets asked. Sort of, will you speculate 
about a variant that could be the kiss of death for the for planet Earth. How about, uh, you know, what was your role in creating this variant in funding the Wuhan lab? It's just unbelievable to me. There are a million viruses on planet Earth, Brian, and none of them have evaded the life-protecting uh, uh, effect of immunity. And with the severe illnesses, we don't see it with COVID-19. So I think mm. we can feel good about the immune protection we have against future variants. It would be interesting if um, Mika Brzezinski asked him about influenza, right? Could we have an influenza variant that could uh, you know, be dangerous? They would never talk like this. We'd never have vaccine right. mandates for influenza. We'd never have mask mandates for influenza. Dr. Marty McCary, always educational. Thanks so much. Pick up the price we pay. It's the name of his book. Thanks, doctor. Thanks, Brian. Back to wrap up the hour. This is Brian Kilmeade Show. See you on the other side. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.